So I had mixed up the word xiphias, which is swordfish, with the word sfiga, which means wasp. So basically, I had told that poor pharmacist that my friend had been bitten on her moped by a swordfish and that we needed a cream. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. I am Elizabeth, your host, and today I'm going to entertain you with a few stories from my season on the beautiful island of Skiathos in Greece. After my first season as a tour guide in Rhodes, I had come back to Switzerland with a scraped knee from my fall off my moped on Cyprus Square. I was totally exhausted and broke because I hadn't earned anything or whatever I had earned I had spent. But I had learned that things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And I considered my summer in Rhodes as my internship because I came back with a bag full of experience and I was finally old enough to apply for a job with a Swiss tour operator. And when I did, I was immediately accepted. This time, I had two weeks of thorough and proper training. Lots of role play about difficult client situations, public speaking practice, even first aid. And I made friends with other participants of the course who were about to go out on their first season to another destination. This time, things were organized and I was equipped with all the necessary tools in my toolbox and a uniform in my suitcase. I traveled to Athens and had a stop over there because I was about to go and start my summer season on the island of Skiathos. But first, I had to spend a few days with my boss, the resident manager of the area, Freni Brunner, who was responsible for various islands, and I was fascinated by her experience and her confidence. And she taught me everything I needed to know for my first assignment. A few days later, I traveled on a tiny plane, a tiny Olympic Airways. I have no idea what jet or whatever it was. No, I, I don't think it was a jet. And um, when I landed in Skiathos, I was amazed that the luggage was brought on a wooden cart pulled by two men. The airport was a small building, just enough space to check people in. When you arrived, you never entered the building. And it was just so basic. And in those years, in this time in Greece or on those Greek islands, there were no x-ray machines. When we look at things now and how much they have changed, it was amazing to look at this situation there now. The airport was very close to town and when we expected arrivals, we used to sit in one of the coffee shops by the port and watch the plane descend. And there was still enough time to take our moped and drive to the airport to welcome our guests. The island of Skiathos is in the northwest Aegean Sea. And it is part of the Sporades Archipelago. It is known for its beautiful beaches and hundreds and hundreds of olive trees. Skiathos town is the only real town on the island, which is not a town because the population at the time when I was there 
was about 500, but it's buzzing with bars and restaurants. And one of the attractions of the village is the house of Alexandros Papadiamanti, who is one of the most important Greek authors of the past century. He was born in Skiathos and he lived and died there. So after my arrival, I was brought to the Esperides Hotel, where I had my first accommodation until I would find a place to stay. Finding a place to stay in Skiathos in 1981 was quite a thing because there were no apartments available. I looked and looked and basically I knew that I just needed something basic because I just needed a bed. I knew from the previous season that I was never at home. And even that was hard. But then I found a friend who was working for another tour operator who was in the same situation. So we teamed up and we went and found a place together in a house. And we actually had an extra bedroom, which we rented to a waiter that we knew from a restaurant nearby. And I have this memory because we had three bedrooms and two bathrooms. And my friend was sharing that bathroom upstairs with the waiter And he was using a cologne called Old Spice, which I really don't like. And whenever I smell Old Spice today, I remember that horrible apartment in Skiathos. One thing that I noticed quickly after arriving there and after my season on the cosmopolitan island of Rhodes, here I needed to learn more Greek because People who were not working in the tourism industry didn't speak any English. Communication was difficult and even shopping was a task because some of the shops were not supermarkets where you could go and get your stuff. You had to tell people what you wanted. And I used to do my shopping list with one of the receptionists at the Esperides Hotel and write down what I needed. So that's how I started learning all these Greek words. I made friends with the neighborhood kids and whenever I went to Athens or to the mainland, to Volos or Ios Constantinos, I used to buy coloring pens and the kids used to come to my house and use my rooming lists, those, those endless uh, computer lists. You remember the ones with which were a little green and white and they used to draw on my lists and talk to me. And the good thing about learning a foreign language with kids is that they are very unjudgmental. They didn't laugh when I said something wrong, but of course they also didn't correct me. So some of my Greek that I learned at the time may have not been so accurate, but it was practice and that was important. I needed to speak Greek to translate what our donkey owners used to tell us who took us on an excursion to a monastery called Evangelistria, which is dedicated to the Virgin Mary. And it's one of the most important religious centers in the Sporades. These donkey owners were funny. They didn't speak any English at all. And they were our tour guides. And at the same time, they were our caterers. They used to bring us on top of this hill to the monastery on their donkeys. And then they had this fantastic food with them, which was really simple. But when I think of it today, it still makes my mouth water. They had these fresh Greek salads, beautiful feta cheese, olives from their trees, salad dressing made with their own olive oil. And I can still smell that 
crusty breads that they used to have with them and that everybody enjoyed. And of course, plenty of wine. And I wonder sometimes how we got down from that hill on the donkey's backs with the people who were following our excursion. Every week or every other week, we went by the house of these donkey owners to pay. And it was always a bit of an exercise because they were very hospitable and they meant well. And they always offered us these Greek sweets, those sugary sweets called glika. It's like fruit in sugar water and a glass of ouzo. And I didn't like either. So it was always quite a torture to go and pay my donkey excursions because I had to eat that sweet and drink that ouzo. And uh, not still not keen on ouzo today, maybe because of that. Another excursion that we offered to our tourists was a boat trip to Skopelos and Alonisos. And many of you will know Skopelos for the film location of Mamma Mia. And there is actually a place called Mamma Mia Wedding Chapel on Skopelos, as far as I know. But of course, that was way after I had been working there. These two islands have no airports. They are only reachable from Skiathos and they are very beautiful. And in the evening, it is so peaceful and quiet after the tourist boats have left. Now, of course, there is no season and no summer work without obstacles. And one of the obstacles in Skiathos were the wasps. I had never seen a place with so many wasps. I don't know if it was like that every year or if it was just that summer, maybe because it had rained a lot or I don't know. But whenever I went to our clients' welcome cocktails, they used to say to me, you know, we have noticed that there are so many wasps here. And whenever we sit outside and when we eat, all these wasps come and sit on the food. And there was always somebody who was telling me that they were allergic to wasps and that they needed an injection if they were bitten. And that was quite a stressful situation because I knew that there was only one doctor on the whole island of Skiathos. Dr. Ifandopoulos was a very sweet elderly man and probably working hard, but I was just wondering if I really needed him, would I find him? And when I voiced my concern to some of the people who I was working with, they always said to me, don't worry, everybody in Skiathos knows where everybody is. And if we need Dr. Ifandopoulos, we will find him. And truth be told, Nothing ever happened with our wasp allergies or with our wasp plague. And just to give you an example that everybody found everybody, we were not many tour guides on the island and we used to meet every night in the Uzeri at the port. We had a drink and then we would go out together for a meal. One night we were sitting in this restaurant and somebody approached our table and came towards me and told me that one of my guests had fallen down the stony stairs at the port. This man had been in the sun too long and he had had a little bit too much wine. So the mixture of sunstroke and alcohol made him feel dizzy and he had fallen down the stairs and he had been brought to the clinic of Dr. Ifandopoulos. 
So I had to leave my dinner table and go to the clinic. And there he was. And the doctor said to me, I don't know what is wrong with him. I am not sure if he has just a concussion. I don't know how bad this is. And I cannot do anything now in the middle of the night. There was no way to x-ray anything. He said, but if he is not well tomorrow, we will organize a helicopter to fly him to the Greek mainland. And he said to me, I am going to sleep now, but what somebody has to stay with the patient. And as I was looking around the room, there was nobody else but me. So I was the somebody staying with him. And I was terrified because I didn't know what to do. And at some point later in the night, I fell asleep on my chair. And when I woke up, my patient had gone. And I went, I went looking for him and I found him and he had just gone to the toilet. And he said to me that he was feeling a lot better, that he had a terrible headache. And he thinks that he is just having a dreadful hangover and he will be okay. So I was hugely relieved. On our days off, we used to gather a few of us and go to the beach, to one of those beautiful beaches. And sometimes my friend who was living with me and I decided to go to the mainland on the morning ferry to do some shopping because there wasn't much available on the island. Definitely no shoe shops as far as I remember and no clothes shops. There were mainly souvenir shops and we needed supplies once in a while. So we had planned to go the next day. But unfortunately, the day before, my friend was driving her moped towards a hotel and a wasp got caught in her sunglasses and bit her really badly. So in the evening, she had this huge swollen eye and we were debating whether we should go on our excursion or not. And we decided we'll go because I said to her, I will take you to a pharmacy and we'll get a healing or soothing cream and you will be feeling better. So early in the morning when we arrived in Volos, we entered this pharmacy and I explained and worked as the, tra the translator that I am today. I explained to the pharmacist that my friend had been bitten by Xiphias and he looked at me like I was coming from out of space and he said to me, really? But where? In the water? And I said, no, on the moped. So I had mixed up the word Xiphias, which is swordfish, with the word Sviga, which means wasp. So basically, I had told that poor pharmacist that my friend had been bitten on her moped by a swordfish and that we needed a cream. Of course, then we realized what had happened and we had a good laugh and we got the cream and we went about our shopping spree and our excursion day and back on the island in the evening on our ferry boat. Talking about ferry boats, the good old Olympic Airways was always on strike. I don't know how many weeks in that summer season they were not flying There was an office, a town office of Olympic Airways in Skiathos town. And the station manager, Thomas, I remember, he was like our prophet. He knew if they would be flying or if not. And I know today that he didn't know. But he used to pretend that he could say in advance what to do. Because if they were not flying, we had to take our guests the day before on the ferry boat to the mainland and then on a bus to Athens, and then they would leave on Swiss Air to Zurich. 
And we couldn't risk anything because if we found out only on Saturday, on the day of departure, that they weren't flying, our clients couldn't leave. So it was always a guess game, a very stressful guess game. Should we leave on Friday or not? And if we did, I went along with them and I loved it. I loved going to Athens because for me it was leaving the island and going to this big city And it was also an opportunity to go to the hairdressers. And funny enough, a few years ago when I was in Athens, I was walking around Kolonaki Square and my hairdresser, Angelos, who I went to in 1981, that hairdressing saloon still exists. I don't know if it's still Angelos or if he ever existed, that I don't remember. But it's funny that the place is still there. So... Departures and arrivals were uh, an adventure. Sometimes they flew, sometimes they didn't, sometimes people came a day late, sometimes people came a day early. It was quite a story. And another story was communication. Our main communication with the agency in Athens and with the head office in Switzerland was by telex. Some of you listening here may remember what the telex is. But some of you may not know. And when you think of today and our cell phones and our WhatsApps and our whatever we have, at that time, calling home was a task. I used to spend Sunday afternoons at the kiosk waiting, first of all, for a telephone to be free, to be available, because there was usually a queue of other people who wanted to make phone calls. And then it took me like an hour dialing the same number again and again until I could get through to my grandmother in Switzerland. And then she wasn't home because, you know, in the old days, we only had landlines and when somebody wasn't home, they wouldn't answer. So it was another weekly adventure to make a phone call home. There are more stories I need to tell you my very embarrassing windsurfing story. We started to windsurf. My friend who was living with me and I knew the people from the windsurfing station at the Esperides Hotel, which was our base. And because we brought them a lot of tourists, they offered to teach us how to windsurf. So off we went, tried and tried, fell off a hundred times. And then one day I was on the board and I felt that I was gliding and gradually moving out and balancing. And I could feel the speed and I loved it. And I was going out and out. And at some point I thought, I think I need to turn around because I had already gone quite far from the bay where I had started off. But I didn't know how to turn. So every time I pulled up the sail... I was blown out a little bit further and the wind had, wind had come, become stronger. And every time I tried again, I was blown out further and I was getting desperate because I had actually reached a point where I couldn't see the bay anymore from where I had started. And I just sat on the board and I thought, this is it. My short life is coming to an end. I was sitting on this board and I thought I won't be able to get back. I was looking around for a miracle and it appeared on the horizon. A beautiful big yacht came closer, noticed me and asked me what was wrong. And I explained to the people that 
I don't know how to turn around that I had left from the Esperides Hotel and that I needed to go back there, but I but that I can't. So they obviously offered me to help. They said that they will pull the windsurf board back. They will they would take the sail on board and that I should come on board. But there was one thing. I was topless. It was one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. And to my defense, I have to say that in the 80s, it was quite common to be topless and it was all okay, unless, of course, you were stuck on a windsurfer and couldn't go back and were rescued by a Greek family with children and a grandmother and a wife who were looking at me with a very, very stern look, more or less telling me, don't do that again. And of course, I didn't after that. They brought me back to the bay and I told off the guy who had rented me the windsurfer because he was supposed to look after me and he didn't. But anyway, it was a happy end and it's a story to tell. I had a very good relationship with all the other tour guides on the island and we were quite the gang. And of course, like the year before, we never slept. We went out, went for a meal and then either to the disco or to this one bar by the port which played Greek music. And I have must have mentioned before how much I love Greek music. And that all stems back from my times when I was working on the Greek islands. And I remember this very wet night, one night when we were drinking, I don't know until when, and singing. And there was this woman who was singing with us. And later on, people were telling me, they said to me, do you know who you were singing with last night? And I said, no, I have no idea. Who was I singing with? And they said, she is a very, very famous singer. Her name is Sotiria Bellu. And I thought, I have no idea who that is. And of course, today I know she's a very famous Greek singer. She doesn't live anymore, but she sings beautiful songs. And I love her music and I listen to her and I still think of Skiathos when I hear her. Unfortunately, the last incident on the island was a little bit unfortunate. About two weeks before I was supposed to leave before the season ended, I woke up one night and I heard somebody and I noticed that the shutter and the window next to me were open. And I turned around and I saw this man kneeling next to my bed and I was screaming, terrified. And of course he got terrified as well, and jumped over the bed, out the window, and I thought, what just happened? And I closed the shutter, closed the window, obviously couldn't go back to bed. I was traumatized. I didn't know what, what should I get up? Should I go to the police? What should I do? But I waited until the morning. And when I went to the police station the next day, we were friends with the police. Damat, this was the chief of police. And he said to me, oh, I know who he is. Don't worry about him. He's the village idiot. He goes around the village in the night and he looks into windows. I'll tell him not to come to your house anymore. And I thought, oh, thank you very much. That was That is really helpful. Unfortunately, I never managed to sleep a whole night because I used to spend, lie in my bed and wait for the steps for people walking past my window and hoping that they would go past. And I only slept well after I had left the island and spent a few days in Athens because I had to go back to the office to talk about my qualifications, how I did. And Freni, my boss, told me that they had been very happy with me, 
that I have done a very good job and that they would like to offer me an interesting challenge for the year to come because they were opening a new destination called Cyprus. I had never heard of Cyprus before. And in the next episode, I am going to tell you how I started my first season on the island of Cyprus in 1982 and how it comes that today in 2021, I am still here. I want to thank you for listening. And I really hope that you are enjoying my stories and my podcast. So next time we'll talk about Cyprus, how I got here. And if you like my stories and my podcast, please subscribe, follow me on social media and get in touch with me if you have any questions or any fun, most memorable journeys. If you like what you hear and you want to know more about what I do, check out my website www.thesoulkit.com.